0: feel like I'm crooked here Uh, man first Sunday of 2020 where's my flying car you know by now I I believed when I was growing up and they kept talking about the year 2020 they kept saying we're all going to be in flying cars right where's my flying car made it this far. I at least want a hoverboard, you know, and not one of those that they called a hoverboard, but they still had wheels. Hey, lying to you. I want like back to the future hoverboard, you know, at least. But, you know, hover vehicles, yeah, come on, it's 2020. Well, as I was praying into um, this new year, and as we're moving forward, like Pastor Neil said, this is the um, first day, this week coming up today through Saturday, is a week of prayer and fasting. As I've been standing on, come on, Lord, you know, you know, what's the one thing you want to say? And I kept seeing um, vision 2020, and I'm like, ah, eh, it's too simple. You know, vision 2020. Come on. But he just kept saying it again, even during prayer and worship, that we're going to see things this year that we've never seen before. That's the 2020. He's giving us a 2020 vision that we're not going to just physically see perfectly, but we're going to spiritually begin to see perfectly. And so we need to start stepping into that and, you know, Again, I'll share a little bit with you in the message and a little bit more we're going to unfold each week. But there, you know, when you're hearing messages like God speaking to us during worship this morning or what I'm going to open up with or even what Amy, you know, is doing through song and the team through worship, it's part for you to receive in faith But it's an incompleteness if you don't step into it in activation. So you can keep your eyes closed, your physical eyes closed in worship and in faith receive part of what he's saying, but until you open your eyes and begin to look around, expecting You're not doing, you're not acting upon that faith. And so the word for this year I really believe that we're going to step into is that 2020 is to see perfectly physically and spiritually. But you've got to open your eyes, receive faith, and do deeds. Act upon it, all right? So that didn't, I mean it had a little bit to do with the message, but... Um, that's what I want us to begin to pray into, step into, and um, if I can give you a focus even for your, your week of prayer and fasting, um, if, of course, I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but to start doing that, start believing for that, and start acting on that. All right, so in James chapter 4, the title of today's message is simply, when, question mark? When? Question mark. But again, there's only two things in the Bible that Jesus gave instructions to his disciples on how to do, and he identified them not as if you want to do these things, but when you do these things. And that was prayer and fasting. It's not a choice. You don't get to, well, that's for some people, but not for me. No, it's commanded Not just um, in, you know, for some, but for all. When you do this, this is what you need to do. So in James chapter 4, starting in verse 13... As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do, doesn't do it, sins. When you know you're supposed to do something and you don't do it, it's sin. And if you didn't know that you're supposed to pray and fast, now you do. Now you don't, it's sin. Pretty simple. Listen, Jesus has given us some very simple instructions such as go into all the world, preach, teach, heal, forgive everyone of all their sins, love all as I have loved you. And yet we push them off in procrastination for another day, another time. Or we make excuses why these commands may be for some people or some of the time, but certainly can't be true for me and certainly not for this situation. God did not put stipulations as to when you can withhold forgiveness, when you've loved that person long enough, or even promised you another day to obey his commands when you want to. My question to you today is simply, when? When will you stop making excuses? When will you simply obey? When will you see the importance of doing today what you may not have tomorrow to do? When? I mean what a better time. I mean how many resolutions have you over your lifespan come up with only to, you know, hear the gun shoot and you start out of the, you know, stall racing on, you know charging full stride and only to get to Wednesday and kicking back in your lazy boy and realizing that couldn't have been from the Lord. Right? He does not want me to be healthy, you know. Or else he wouldn't have put so many good cookies out there in the world. And chocolate wouldn't have tasted so good, you know. And my chair wouldn't be so comfortable if he wanted me to exercise. Couldn't have been from the Lord. Or, well, we'll try again next week, right? When does your diet start? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's right, because we, we all knew that because we've all said that. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, can, I mean, how many of you were thinking about the fast coming up and all of a sudden you started eating cookies left and right? Well, I'm fasting meats and sweets, so I'm just going to, you know, God, what's for dinner tonight? Steak and cookies. <laughs> all the steak and cookies you want. Why? Because tomorrow, if it's left in the house, it's getting thrown away. And the German in me just can't throw away anything. Right, Mama? I know. There's no wasting. You just eat it. Well, procrastination puts us in a position to be the God of our own life. Where we're making the decisions. Well, tomorrow I'm going to go do this and that. You know, next week I'm going to do this. And tomorrow, and now all of a sudden, that's what James is saying. You're boasting as if you're the God of your own life. As if you really know that you have a tomorrow. Who do you think you are? If you know to do good, when's he talking about? Now! Don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't make excuses why you can't do it. All that kind of stuff is sin. You know, you think about when, remember King David, right? David, in the Bible, great mighty man, warrior, all these armies, you know, he just, I mean, they just... Annihilated everyone. But yet in his heart, even at Zigzag, I think it was, or Zigzag or whatever, when he was when they were out to war, and this army slipped in and plundered everything, took everything from them. Wives, children, all their stuff. While they were out to war, took everything. So David and his army come back and everything's gone. He didn't even at that time jump on his high horse and say, come on, what did he do? He asked the Lord. Well, common sense. Wouldn't you think that would be common sense? Hey, let's go. Why? Because they took everything. We're going to get them. No, he even waited then and asked the Lord. Why? Because he knew what his life was. Just a breath. Procrastination and excuses are killers in the walk that God has for you. I mean, when you... My question to you is when today? That's the big question. Or what are you waiting for? And there's four examples in the Bible I want us to look at real quick. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume you know the whole story, so don't jump to conclusions, you know, hold back and just hear. But there's four situations, four examples. My question to them was, what were they waiting for? You know, the man by the pool, right? The man by the pool who was an invalid for 38 years. What was he waiting for? You know, when Jesus saw him. Now, how many sick people did he see sitting around that pool? Oh, yeah, all, right. all of them. They were all sick. That's why you, you hung out around this pool, because you're sick. You needed healing. You needed to get into the water. But he only talked to one. And he walked over to him and he said, What are you waiting for? Brenda translation. I asked him, Do you even want to get well? And the first thing out of his mouth, excuse. And these four examples I want to share real quickly are what I could do, what I could call summing up all of our excuses into these four categories. And I know we could subcategorize a thousand other ones, because we all have, you know, we all feel like our problem, our situation is completely different than anybody else's. Nobody knows, nobody understands, which by the way, that's a lie. Because the Bible even says you can't undergo anything that somebody else hasn't already underwent. So if you're believing that, you're believing a lie. But the man by the pool, what was his excuse? Someone else. Somebody else's fault. When the water's stirred, somebody else, why won't they help me get in there? And then somebody else gets in the water before me. It's somebody somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Somebody else's fault. The blind man, Bartimaeus, blind, just in case you wondered what his problem was, he's blind. His friends would carry him to the street so he could beg for money. He must have heard about Jesus and the miracles he was performing. Because the story tells us that when he heard Jesus was coming down his street, he called out to him. So let me back up and ask you, what was he waiting for? Why did he continue to let his friends carry him to the streets because money was more important. Because if his sight was really supreme priority in his life, he wouldn't have asked his friends to continue to drag him and carry him over and set him in to be begging for money. He would have said, Take me to wherever this Jesus is. Right? Money. One of our big excuses, money. I need more. I need to work more. I need to save more. I need to spend more. Don't ask me to give to the church because you don't know the bill's piling up at home. Do you feel like this is some kind of magic zone here where bills don't come? (laughs) You know, just a side note, if you're Coming in and complaining because we don't have this or don't have that. Where's the coffee or where's the water or where's the pop Because we can't buy it if we don't have money. Where does the money come from? Well, I don't know. Hello? Our big excuse is money. Well, I can't do that, and I need uh, because I need this or I need that money. So, big excuses. One was somebody else's, somebody else's fault, or money. I need more. I need to save more. I need to get more. The third one, the leper Naaman. His excuse. Why he turned around and started leaving when he came to the prophet to be healed? Because he wanted his miracle his way. And forget it. He won't come out here and do things the way I wanted them done. I'm out. Let me just say this for a second. And I didn't know where it was going to fit in. And maybe it fits here. Maybe it's just for somebody. But really felt overwhelmed with this problem in the body. That you get offended, somebody says something to you, somebody's hurt your feelings, or somebody hasn't said something to you, or somebody hasn't done this or done that. And so you remove yourself from ministry, quit, don't show up, whatever, because, well, what? Things weren't done the way you wanted them done. So you think that you can pluck yourself out of the body of Christ and withhold that as a punishment to the body? Well, let's see how they get along without me if I'm not there. I'm just going to leave that one and keep going on. His miracle, his way. It's an excuse why you're not, oh, that's why it does fit there. Why you're not doing something that you know you're supposed to be doing. Do you know every one of you, like Crystal mentioned, is a part of the body? Whether you're a pinky, a toenail, an eyebrow, a tongue, you know, whatever, you're a part of the body. And if you're not plugged in doing your part in the body, what are you doing? Well, I tried that and they just didn't. They asked me to do this or do that. You know, if we're supposed to do everything as if we're working for the Lord and not for men... If, you're, if your ministry, if you feel like God, your part of the body, is on the worship team, Amy's not the worship pastor. Jesus is the worship pastor. And if Amy asks you to do something or not do something, and you feel your flesh rise up, well, she can't tell me to do that. She's not. He is. And are you going to tell Jesus, well, I'm out. Can't ask me to do that. Or not do that. Who do they think they are? Who do you think you are? Just a breath. We're supposed to work as if we're working for the Lord. And we are a part of his body. His body. So when you get mad, offended, hurt, or... Lazy, let's just say it. I don't feel like getting up this morning. Why do I have to come in early? Well, dear Lord, we push this service back to 10 o'clock. You know? If I pushed it back any later, you would say, now it's my nap time. What are you doing? I haven't service her my nap time. You know? We're trying everything we can to make it convenient for you. But laziness is not anything more than an excuse that again, breeds that idolatry. You've created yourself as your own God. Because you've removed yourself from the body of Christ and have tried to become, what? An island on your own? I, I don't It's not going to last. You can't pluck yourself from the body of Christ and think that you're going to live. He's the blood. And his blood flows through his body. That's the only place you'll find life. Sorry, that's a message all on its own. Reel it back. (sighs) Naaman the leper, but he wanted his miracle, his way. But listen... No, I'll save those for later. And then the fourth example was the religious leaders. The religious leaders of those days were supposed to be the ones so equipped, so well versed in all the word, all the prophecies, that they should have been the one to prepare the way for John who was preparing the way. They should have been in multitudes swarming after that star that they saw the night Jesus was born. They should, and how many went out? Three. He was even standing in their temple in the midst of the greatest celebration when they're pouring all this symbolic representation of Jesus Christ. They're doing, performing, declaring, all this dance, all this water ceremony, everything and he's like Mm-mm. He even blurts out When they're doing the water pouring ceremony, I am the living water. If you're thirsty, come to me. And they just, who is that? You know, when he started preaching, they're like, could that, no, nothing good can come from Nazareth, I know who he is, I know. Because Jesus didn't come in the way they expected. Your excuse, your fourth summed up, if I could, categories of excuses. Was it didn't come or he didn't come or he didn't show up. Your miracle didn't come in the way you expected. So it can't be God. I mean, have you ever received a a blessing? You're in a financial need, let's say. And Pastor Neal talked about having uh, extravagant giving, which means he's carrying a sum of money in his wallet that he sets aside so that God at any time can say right there, give it to that person right there because they have a need. Yeah. Give it to them. So he becomes the mailman yeah. yes. delivering God's package. <laughs> yeah. And yet that person sees Pastor Neil carry that package and then thinks Pastor Neil. And Pastor Neil's like, um, do you run out to your mailbox and hug and kiss on your postman every time they deliver your check in the mail? No. No, but because it didn't come in the way, see, you know, so-and-so was praying, I have a need, so God, do it this way my miracle my way and then when it comes a different way you're like well that obviously can't be god so yeah i know pastor neil's a good man so thank you pastor neil sure. and we forget it was god all all the time see these four could be sum up could sum up all of our excuses we're either waiting on someone else it's someone else's fault we need to get more money save more money spend more money We want our miracle our way, or if it doesn't happen as we expect it, it probably wasn't God anyway. So we know what they were waiting for, and we'll get back to them at the end of the message. But what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Charles Dickens, of course, we just finished our Christmas... so my mind's still on Charles Dickens he said procrastination is the thief of time you must arrest him St. Augustine of Hippo said God has promised forgiveness to your repentance but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination Again, procrastination positions you into becoming the God of your own life and excuses bind you to that lie. Excuses are like hooks that hold us back. And I'm going to divert just for a second and then get right back on track again because these hooks are important to the altar call today. Um, Satan, Uh, how many are fishermen in here? Okay, okay. I have to admit, I used to really, really like fishing, and I still do, but I I take boys with me, and I'm like, put a worm on there. Here's a fish. Take that fish off there. I'm sorry I turned into more of a girl. I love fishing, but uh, I don't want to do any of that stuff anymore. And I love eating the fish. Mm Mm-hmm let's talk about food again anyway but here it is Satan casts out all the time this bait hook but you don't see the hook you see the big fat juicy worm but the big fat juicy worm is hiding the hook and so he dangles this big fat juice worm in front of your face and you look at it. Oh, it looks good. You you smell it. Oh, it smells good. And you look, oh, it tastes good. And next thing you know, snap, you're caught. He's put his hook in you see as you're dancing around that nice big fat, juicy worm, you're starting to what? Make excuses on why you can have that. It's only one night. Oh, it's only one beer. Oh, it's only one drink. Oh, it's only one day. Oh, it's only... I'm not hurting anybody. It's my life. I can choose those people to tell me what I can and cannot do that big fat juicy worm seems so innocent but the minute you get close enough to it and you wrap your lips around it thinking just this once just one little, just a little bit it's only one date oh it's only one kiss kiss, hug hug and he sets a hook and he's got ya and so then you go swimming around the pond thinking, I'm okay, I'm okay. And you got a big old hook in the side of your mouth. <laughs> And so you think you're okay and you're like, yay, yeah, you see, I had myself a little fat, juicy worm. It's so beautiful. But every once in a while you get this, next thing you know you're feeling the weight of the world on you and why is everybody against me and everybody hates me and I'm horrible because what he's reeling you in yeah I you. Gotcha. and then when you start realizing oh, Satan's got me oh I shouldn't have done this and oh Jesus help me all of a sudden zzzz, you get a little bit more freedom but the hook's still there There's Satan's hook, and then you have a hook. Do you know you cast hooks into people, too? Well, he hurt me. How dare they? They need to come and ask my forgiveness before I forgive them. Don't you know what they did to me? You've hooked them. But funny thing about your hook is it's not just that simple one little hook that can be hidden by a worm. Have you seen those ones where like the, there's like four hooks, three, four hooks on that sucker? When you hook somebody else, you're hooked to them. And your sin is as great as their sin because you've hooked them. So they might have done wrong. But when you withhold forgiveness, you're just as wrong. When you take offense, you're just as wrong. When you harbor that, well, they hurt me. And, you know, my mama didn't hug me enough growing up. And how dare she's a horrible person. I'm just as guilty now. So there's Satan's hook and there's your hook. And let me just give you, write down these two things. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And John 20, 23. This is how important it is. And I've preached this a thousand times. You cannot be forgiven if you choose not to forgive. Jesus said that when he was given instructions on praying. How to pray the Lord's Prayer. This is how, right at the end of that, that's what this is. 14 and 15 says, Jesus said, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, not some sins, not the little sins, and leave the big sins unforgiven. Forgive them of all their sins. Your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. If you lived the rest of your life and felt like you couldn't accomplish anything else on this earth but walking in forgiveness, you've done more than you believe you could ever do just trying to do the right thing for some of the people, you know? You heard people say, well, I'll love them if they love me. Or I'll forgive them if, if they forgive me. That's not in there. It's you won't be forgiven if you don't forgive them. There's do that, then he'll do this. And he also said in John 20, 23, you can't be forgiven if you don't forgive them. They can't, I'm sorry, they can't be forgiven if you don't forgive them. Jesus told his disciples, if you forgive anyone his sins... They are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I, that boggles my mind when I try to set and, and figure that out. Well, Jesus, okay, if, so if a sinner comes to... Wherever the altar is, you know, says a prayer and asks for your their sins to be forgiven. So now they're a new creation; all things have become new. They're brand new. It's a brand new. It's called prototype. Did you know that? It, it's unheard of before. It's unmade before. When he does this, and that's a whole another message. It's because no and no other time, no other place in time have. <laughs> People before the resurrected Jesus Christ in us can stand both in heaven and on earth at the same time. You become a new creation. But anyway, so then doesn't that person automatically just be forgiven? Aren't they always forgiven? Okay, so, then why did he say at the end of, when he was instructing them to pray, that if you don't forgive others, your sins won't be forgiven? Because we sin (laughs) all the time. I don't know about you, but uh, my uh, little grandson was pointing out my sin quite frequently while I was down there, and it was that stinking word, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) To him, it was sin. His mommy and daddy have taught him, you don't say shut up. Well, you know I have a problem with that word. One time I got my lips smacked for it to prove a point. You know, it was a gentle smack. It wasn't like a, you know, it was the whole, you know, come here. And, you know, I'm sorry. And I repented. And, and then two minutes later, I said it again. <laughs> Owen would look at me and he'd go, oh, Gigi, that hurts my heart. I'm like, oh, will you forgive me? What if he would have turned to me and said, no. You know, I've forgiven you enough and you keep saying it. No more forgiveness for you. We need to continually be walking in forgiveness extending forgiveness, receiving forgiveness. Why? I got your back, you got my back, I've got her back, he's got his back. That's how we do it. It's a perpetual, constantly extending mercy, forgiveness, receiving mercy, forgiveness. All right, I've got to wrap this up. Missy, Amy. I don't know why I'm saying Missy. I don't know. Missy, is that prophetic? No? Okay. This is a week of prayer and fasting. Procrastination and excuses have to be killed. We have to break this sin of procrastination and excuses in order to go on in this new year. We cannot give place to procrastination and excuses in the body, in your life, in your family, any longer. And prayer and fasting is the only way I know of that can break this hold like that. I mean, you can try to discipline yourself to be better, but it's going to be like that diet that will have to start again tomorrow. You'll feel like, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Oh, I just messed that up. Procrastination and excuses. That has to, That's a sin that has to be broken, and prayer and fasting can do it. And I promise you, in Isaiah 58... Where God is explaining, this is how I want you to fast. This is what fasting looks like. You need to soak up. Not just chapter 58, but then keep going because it's only like seven verses, six verses I think it is, first five verses, where he's explaining, you think you're fasting and yet you're doing everything you want to do the way you want to do it. You're still grumbling. You're still complaining. You're still getting mad. You're, you know, probably complaining, oh, I'm, I'm so weak. I'm not having any sweets. I want a cookie. Would you pray for me? I really want a cookie you know you're doing things the way you want to do them and you call that a fast and he says this is the kind of fast I have chosen and he lists four things and actually it can be broken up into two things because he goes back to them again he says to loose the chains of injustice. Loose the chains of injustice. Injustice means that the rights and authority of a person or a group are being ignored. Do you realize as a Christian you have rights and authority? Chains are hindering you or wrapping you up in such a way that you're not walking in your rights and authority. The facet I've chosen for you will loose the chains of injustice. And then he goes on, untie the yoke. Untie the yoke. And I did this great big study on this. That yokes can't just be placed on animals. And actually at that time they were even placed on slaves. Did you know that? And they looked like the animal yokes go this way the human yokes went this way and you were actually yoked to another slave in bondage but they have to tie that yoke to you it was tied to to them and it was tied to the thing they were carrying dragging pulling and he says to untie the cords of the yoke Sophia fast I've chosen those hooks that you have in your life whether it's from Satan or from another individual or you've thrown it onto another individual he says it's time to untie all of them and then he goes back to uh, to break the chains of injustice so you have to loose the chains before you can break the chains injustice and then he talks about remember the second part was untie the yoke untie the cords of the yoke he says then destroy every yoke so he doesn't just want you to to loose the chains fasting won't just loose the chains around you they're gonna break the chains why so you can never be chained up again They're not just going to untie the cords of the yoke. We're going to untie the cords of the yoke. But then he says we're going to destroy the yoke. Break the yoke completely. Why? So it can never be picked back up again and put on you. That chain of injustice can't tie you up any longer. Why? Become a person. Become a Christian. Become a believer. A follower who lives a fasted lifestyle. You don't just fast once a year. Oh there, I did that. Lord help us until next year. Every day. Why? Because you get yourself wrapped up. You need to keep living in that forgiveness for yourself and for others. You need to keep living in that place of authority, of rights, and freedom. You need to keep living in that. Well, how do I do that? Prayer and fasting. And it's not a one and done. It's when, 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 when you do. As a matter of fact, back there in... um, those times where Jesus was teaching that, it was a regular practice to fast three times a week. Three times a week. And we think people are radical if they fast once a month. You're fasting again? Didn't we just do that a couple months ago? Three times a week. Prayer and fasting must go together. It's the glue that binds the armor on the warrior. Personal prayer is the lifeblood of the individual, but corporate Prayer is the lifeblood of the church, and that's why you hear us pound over and over again, come to prayer, come to prayer. Wednesday night is, yes, it's a little time in the Word, it's a little time for instruction, it's time for worship, but it's also a time for us to pray corporately together. It's the lifeblood of the church, and I'm sick and tired of seeing the churches have prayer groups of six or seven. God will use six or seven but come on praying together the church rises and falls depending on its praying together fasting plunders procrastination and erases excuses fasting this is the fast I have chosen. So when you read chapter fifty eight, continue to read all the blessings. They don't just they yes, they start, I think, by verse eight. Then your light will shine like the noonday. I think it's in verse. Eight. So he already starts in chapter 58 with this is all the results. What? From what? Fasting. But he goes on 59, 60, I think, I believe even into 61. Promises you get from fasting. I think I outlined in that chapter, in chapter 58 alone, there's, remember I always told you God's love is unconditional, but His promises have conditions. All His promises have conditions. If you do this, God says, I will do this. His, I will do this, is His promise. If you do this, and in verse or chapter 58, I think it's 5 ifs. 5 ifs. If you do this. And just in chapter 58, not even included 59, 60 and 61, which I didn't even count all of them. I think there's 50 21, 50 Now you're going to make me look. How many? Oh, I thought somebody knew that answer right off the top of their head. I was going to be impressed for a minute. Not impressed anymore. 19. Five ifs. 19 God wills. 19 promises just in that one chapter. And yet he continues on. 59, 60, and 61 are full. They're all promises for fasting. If you do this. Listen, real practical here, fasting should hurt. If it's comfortable, it's not fasting. Uh, if it's easy, it's not fasting. Like last night, what we did around the table when we're going into a prolonged family fast, we discussed what we're going to fast. Why? So we don't step on each other's toes. So we'll go around and we'll start discussing. So what are you fasting? What are you fasting? What are you fasting? You know, so we all know. And as we were doing this, Jacob, I'm telling on him now. He's not in here, right? Okay, good. So you'll find out, and I'll find out if he listens to this message. Last night, you know, we're going around, the table and Jacob's like, well, I think I'm going to start by fasting breakfast. I'm like, you don't eat breakfast. <laughs> Dude, I know you. You can't be. He's like, well, yeah, but I thought that would just be easy if I wouldn't. Yeah, and then it's not fasting. But fasting is a sacrifice. It's called crucifying the flesh. Crucifying is not comfortable. It's not easy. It is painful. It should hurt in some way. So there's two things I'm going to ask everybody to do while you're fasting. First thing, you're gonna fast some type of food. And I'm asking for a week. If you fast just a meal, good for you. If you fast all your meals, great. If you fast for the whole week, yeah, it can't be something you wouldn't normally eat anyway. You're saying, well, my doctor says, you know, and I take all this medicine and I can't, okay, do a Daniel fast. I assure you, your doctor will say you're cleared to eat fruits and vegetables the whole week. Right? I'm asking you to fast some type of food, and it, I hope it's going to be some food that will cost you something, hurt your flesh. And see, I'll tell on Brian too because he's not here. As we're going around, I said, you know, guys, we're really close to all, you know, fasting the same types of foods. So why don't we come into agreement so we'll just make it easier on mommy and, you know, buying the groceries. Let's all do the same thing. So we boiled it down and, um, you know, I don't want to say everything, but Brian goes, "Ah!" when I mentioned no meat. He said, you realize you're asking a grown man to give up meat? (laughs) I said, I'm not asking. I'm just suggesting would this be, you know, part of, you know. And he's like, that's going to be hard. I said, ooh, so we found a fast. (laughs) Why? Because it's got to hurt. And then all of a sudden this light just, I mean, we had the best day I've had in a long time yesterday. Of course, the enemy came out on him last night. Um... As far as he was up all night, couldn't sleep. He's got to go to work today, and so that's why he's trying to get some sleep. So keep praying for him. Um, But it's got to hurt some way. And the second thing, so food some type of way, and fruits and vegetables, so you're not going to die, people. I'm looking around, and all of us could stand to drop a couple pounds, okay? So I'll just say it right here. It's not going to be a bad thing, but it sh- it should also open up sometime. If you're just going without, you're not fasting; you're dieting. It should open up time. So, in your fasting, if you say whatever, uh, you know, a meal, uh, a couple meal, whatever, it you have to replace that with worship in the Word alright so if you if you're fasting Facebook let me just throw that one out there uh, and you normally get up grab your cup of coffee sit down and open up your phone and start scrolling Facebook and you fast Facebook now you've opened up some time replace it with worship in the Word that's fasting Otherwise, just going without is kind of like setting the alarm on your house and leaving the front door wide open. Y- you went without. You, you've crucified the flesh, but you haven't fed the spirit. And fasting is doing both of it. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is fast complaining. Brian was just top of his game yesterday. He was just throwing zingers right and left. And every time I'd look at him, he goes, I got to get it all out now. Aaron, I'm sorry. It's probably going to be to you. Because he's starting his fast Monday morning. So he's like, I'm going to be on the phone with Aaron all night long. <laughs> He'd say, I got to get it all out. But fasting complaining, listen, write this down. I want you to look this up. Ephesians 4, Um, again, I'm out of time, I am so sorry, I'm out of time. Ushers, would you come? We're going to be taking communion, Um, but Ephesians 4 talks to us, gives us instruction about don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Only what is good, beneficial, encouraging, helpful to others. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where it lists, God lists all the blessings for obedience. And then, as He is so good about doing, He doesn't leave the results for disobedience unknown. He lists them too. This is all the stuff that's going to come upon you in disobedience. And one of those things is you will feel as if. Your heaven over you is brass. Complaining, grumbling, closes up the heavens above you. What parent wants to bless their child who's constantly complaining? You want to give more to a child who's constantly complaining about what they have? (coughs) God constantly reminds me of this one individual who was complaining to me about how small their checkbook register. And if you younger kids, if you don't know what that is, it's this paper thing that we used to have to, you know, keep track of checks, those other paper money things that we used to use. That they're that they've got so much money now that they don't have enough room in their checkbook register to write all the numbers because well the bank just knows and they want to keep your money and so they make those lines so small and i said you know if you want to keep complaining about that god can with you know withdraw withdraw or reduce the amount of money you have so it will fit in there quite nicely for you if that's what you want So every time I'm you know balancing my checkbook and writing in that I'm like Lord I can write really small if you want to continue to bless me I can get a lot of numbers in that little box there and if I can't I'll tape another one right here right next to it so every time I'm doing my balancing I'm sorry but complaining give it up I hope you're gonna create a habit that you'll just it won't even be on your lips anymore. Don't let anything unwholesome come to your lips. The four examples I gave you earlier, yes, three of them did receive their miracle, right? You know the stories? The invalid by the pool, 38 years. Jesus told him, get up! didn't say, oh poor little man, let me help you up. He's like, you want to get well? Get up. Aren't you, I got one, thanks. Aren't you going to help me? Give me a hand. No, he told him, get up. The blind man, Bartimaeus point in your life that God's being patient with you. Patient. And you think for some reason it's God's permission for you to continue on the way you're going. But you'll realize if you go back and study that story that Jesus didn't come to him. He was walking by him. And it wasn't until blind Bartimaeus realized, I've just missed my chance. He's already walked by, but with God's mercy and his grace, when he finally cried out, I'm wrong, here I sat, begging for money, money was more important to me than you, he cried out, Jesus. Did he receive his sight? And Naaman, the leper, who was leaving because his miracle wasn't happening the way he thought it should happen, his servant talked him into, just listen, just obey, you have instructions, just go down in the water and wash, that's what he told you to do, and if you can be healed by just doing that, don't you want to be healed? So he received his miracle when he what? Obeyed. And did what God was telling him to do. It was only the religious leaders who didn't get their miracle. And yet right there in front of them was Jesus himself. They had studied the written word. Their interpretation of the written word blinded them to the living word standing right in front of them. So don't allow your interpretation of the scriptures or how you think God should be, shouldn't be, is going to judge me and he's gonna and I shouldn't. And it's all right here. It's given us very simple instructions showing himself to us and until we see him that his word is true not my feelings not my situation listen stop judging God's word according to your feelings and your situation well yeah but my situation but my line it up with the word let the word judge your feelings let the word judge your situation and I'll open up a big can of worms right here at the end and I'm going to leave you with this uh, I was just horribly sick before Christmas time. Went to the doctor. They couldn't. It wasn't the flu. It wasn't um, strep throat. I think it was, or something else. I can't remember what it. I don't know. It was a bunch of things. Horribly sick. Um, I couldn't even make it to prayer on that Wednesday night, um, which, you know, it was 14 days, 15. It was a long time. I was sick. Bad sick. In my feelings I didn't feel like I was walking in divine health right but what does the word say his blood cleanses all sicknesses he heals all my diseases but I didn't feel healed the word is true or it's not true cannot let my feelings my situation judge the word I have to let the word judge my feelings so no time in any of that sickness even when I went through that back problem that you all I've heard of a thousand times I would not let my situation change what the word says I continue to speak the word over my situation and over my feelings and my body has to bow to the word might take a little longer than I'd like it to I'm always praying not 38 years Lord don't leave me 38 years by the pool but that's where I'll stay if I'm constantly procrastinating and making excuses so let's break that sin Let's break that sin this week. Communion. Let's take time right now before we take communion together. And let's just repent. Repent of procrastinating. Repent of pushing off for tomorrow to do what God's telling you to do. Pushing off tomorrow or waiting until whatever I've had this fun or that fun or done this or that before I plug into the body and really sell out to God. Before I start giving and honoring God with my uh, income. You know, For not just ask him for forgiveness, but ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's calling you to do so just begin talking to him right now repenting, asking for forgiveness, God forgive me for procrastinating, forgive me for making excuses God in my finances in my family, in my physical body even and in my spiritual walk with you, God forgive me forgive me right now I want you to just begin cutting the hooks cutting the hooks God I've bit that hook too often cut it right now I see it now it's Satan's hook I thought it was okay I didn't think it would hurt anybody I thought well I can do this cut it now in Jesus name He's showing some of you right now, you've placed hooks in other people, whether it was way years and years and years ago, or maybe it just happened as you were coming to church or, or sitting down in church, that you've cast a hook into somebody else and you've got hooked yourself. Cut those hooks. I extend forgiveness right now to those that have hurt me. I extend forgiveness. I extend mercy to them. I extend forgiveness. I extend mercy because I need forgiveness and I need mercy, Lord. All hooks cut right now. In Jesus' name. determined today. Now, now is the time. Now is the time. You're not waiting any longer. Your Procrastination is a thief that is now arrested, locked up, and no longer able to roam free in your life. Excuses will not be on my tongue. If I know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. sin shall have no part of me. Why? Because Jesus' blood covers all. Either his blood was enough for all your sicknesses, all your sin, all your diseases, all your pain, all your problems, or it wasn't. And as we hold the communion in our hands right now his body, his sacrifice was enough for your healing your forgiveness or it wasn't his blood washes us from all sins erases it This time of communion after we've already asked him just forgive us and so we're, we're standing before him it says with in his righteousness white as snow we're standing before his throne of grace celebrating him and his sacrifice his authority Atonement is just a big fancy word for being at one with him. At one-ment. He made everything right again. He made our relationship like Tara with her kids. He made right with us between God and us again. At one-ment. Everything he had in heaven for us is now for us at our want to be careful how I say this. Uh, It's all resources, he said. Come out Wednesday and I'll explain that more. I'll leave that one right there. And communion, communion is common union with him. You're exchanging your life for his life. So right now, Jesus, as we hold this bread, this symbol of your broken body in our hands, we want to thank you for your willing sacrifice to be broken for us, to go to the cross for us, in our place, as us. Sinless, spotless, Lamb of God, only begotten Son, for your sacrifice we remember your sacrifice let's take this together and Jesus we lift up this blood a symbol of your blood this juice we thank you that your blood cleanses us all sin sin that your healing that you purchased for us is that sozo healing physical healing a spiritual healing and even an emotional healing it's all wrapped up in your blood and we just take this time right now and lift up praise honor and glory to you thanking you for your blood Let's take it together. Can we just close out with some worship together? Would you stand?